You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. All right, I got to turn myself on. Am I on? All right, good morning. It's uh, great to be together. It's been a while. Uh, Lena and I have been kind of traveling a little bit. Uh, last week we're in Minneapolis. I uh, did a wedding for a good friend of ours. And it was so funny because we met them, the parents, uh, when the kids were small, 30 years ago, and now the kids are getting married, so we're doing their wedding. So it's been kind of a little bit of a trip. I know what you're thinking, but he looks so young. I know, I know. I'm just kidding. So it's great to be together. Um, I want I do want to welcome the campus back. UCLA will be back next week as they start school, but I want to welcome our SMC students back with us. So SMC started a couple weeks ago. And Lena and I have been on campus uh, working with the campus students, and I appreciate them uh, just really welcoming us. Uh, I, I know Lena looks really young, but I, when I get on campus, I do feel a little bit like a creeper. So I appreciate you guys uh, not running away or not running the other way, but it's been great being on campus. But as you know also, Kenny um, has been working with the Pepperdine students, so the Pepperdine students are meeting on their own for most of the month. Uh, during the uh, school year with the Malibu group. So organically, that group has grown uh, into their own little group, which we're really excited about because I do feel like we have the best area uh, in, in L.A. Uh, and I think it's time to really uh, branch out into those areas as well. But however, the Pepperdine group will be meeting with us uh, once a month at the beginning of the month for service. So that way we can all be together. But uh, UCLA will start in about a week and a half. Uh, as you see, our church, we do a lot of stuff, right? We have a lot of stuff going on. And I appreciate Arne uh, explaining to us some of the stuff we do at Hope Worldwide, Patricia with uh, some of our local projects and meeting the felt needs here uh, on the west side and in, in Los Angeles uh, as well. So I'm really excited about that. And I appreciate the Kendalls uh, starting and really perpetuating the Harvest Fest. And it started about four years ago. And it was just, a, like they said, it was just something really small to get things going. But it has really become a, such a community event that a lot of people come out to. And we're really hoping that, um, you know, we can really have, uh, be a light to our community. And I love the theme this year about just our educators. Because we have a lot of educators in here as well. But not only that, but uh, our churches worldwide. I don't know if you noticed if you take a look around you, I mean, it's pretty amazing uh, when you look around. This is like the United Nation uh, in this room. Uh, it really is. I mean, just uh, different people from all around the world, but fall all around the U.S. as well. And uh, I look out and I see uh, the Blinkos have been friends with us for about 10 years since we've landed here uh, in uh, L.A. And we want to welcome the Blinkos as well. At this time, we're going to be taking our contribution and what we do with our contributions, a lot of us give online, and it goes into the work of the church, the ministry staff, the rentals, and uh, the outreach programs that we have. If you're visiting with us, if you want to give, that's awesome. But uh, as Arne said, we really you know, just are just glad that you're here. So let's say a prayer for our contribution, and we'll start with our uh, service. Father, we're so grateful to you that, uh, God, as we look at the video, uh, God, we're grateful that we have what we have. Uh, God, we are a few of the fortunate uh, percentage of people around the world that we don't have to worry about water, God. Even just we take so many things for granted. 
We get up in the morning and we turn on the water and we have it there, and yet people have to travel sometimes for miles just to get uh, their water need for the day. Father, I pray that we understand that. Uh, God, it is more blessed to give than receive uh, because it's more blessed to have. We're, we're blessed people. God, help us to give, uh, God, to those projects and our churches around the world, but to our local church here as well. Help us to use the money wisely and uh, to serve others, uh, to give people an opportunity to know who you are. Uh, God, that is the greatest gift that we can uh, give to other people. Bless our contribution. I pray that you may be pleased with it. Help us to give responsibly and uh, to set aside, as the Bible says, a certain amount of money that you've given us to give back to you and your people. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to start a series next week. and uh, But this week, it'll be kind of like a prelude to that series. And it's called Under Construction. It is the story uh, based on the book of Acts about how the beginning of the church got started. And the lessons from that that we can apply to our church today here in 2018. And really the goal of this is to really help us to deepen our understanding of God's church. Uh, as we try to build church together, I think it's so easy for us to figure out, you know, what is our needs? What do we want to see, we want to build something in our image instead of really want to build something that God has already laid out thousands of years ago. Now, one thing I appreciate about the Bible is that it gives us latitude on how to build our church. Now, the things that we go through now in 2018 is different than our brothers and sisters, although we have that connection with them 2,000 years ago and everything else in the middle. Even 30 years ago, when I first was exposed to the scriptures and the Bible, um, things were different back then in the 80s than it is now. Language change, people change, culture change, and how do we reach out to people change as one. I appreciate how God gives us that flexibility and that latitude also. Number two, I want us to really build unity in our fellowship. It's so easy to, like I said, have our own thoughts about what church should look like and yet, when we go back together, study out the scriptures together, we can see what it looks like as God intended for it to be. And we can be unified in that sense. And number three, um, we're going to see how the disciples love people within their community, how they sacrifice for one another, and um, how they sacrifice for the people around them as well. So those are the three goals that we want to have as we study out the book of Acts. And it's going to be about seven to eight studies, and we're going to go through specifically in those chapters what they went through. You know, when Jesus, when his time here on earth, he struggled with the words to speak to us. As the Son of God, he's wrestling with words to tell us what the kingdom of God is like. And he's scrambling words, the Greek words and Aramaic words, and he's telling them, and he says this, he says, then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? A few weeks back, we talked about how Jesus asked a lot of questions. And we did a study with, with the campus on that. He asked about 300 questions in the gospel, and he received about 200. He asked more questions than he received. And the point to that is to do what? To get us to think. 
to get us to, to, to really figure things out ourselves and to get engaged ourselves. So he asks, what is the kingdom of God like? And what shall I compare it to? What earthly things do we have that can get us to really think about what the kingdom of God is like? Now, the kingdom of God is not relegated only to the church. The kingdom of God spans even beyond the church. It's anywhere that God rules. But the church really is a major part of that. He says it is like a mustard seed, one of the smallest seeds, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and it became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. He says the great Roman Empire seems so daunting right now, and you're just a scattered bunch of people in the outpost of the Roman Empire, and you might not think that much of you yourself, but I think a lot about who you are, Jesus says. And you're going to become a tree. And the Roman Empire, a few hundred years from then, from now, it's going to disappear. But you're still going to be around. And the Bible says that this man took that seed and planted in the garden. He continues. And he says, again he asked. He goes, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast. This time, not a man... But a woman took and mixed it into 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Did you notice something there? Jesus was a subversive person. He was a revolutionary. If we take the time just to figure it out. The first part, he said, a man did it. The second part, he uses the example of a woman. And you go, wow, what's the big deal? It's a big deal. It's a big deal, because women were not very... Even in the Bible, when you read the Bible, it's descriptive. It's not telling us what we need to do, but it's descriptive on how women were so marginalized in so many ways. And yet, when Jesus used his examples, he was very inclusive. Men and women. He says, again, the same point. It's small. 60 pounds of flour. I don't know what that looks like. That's a lot of flour. He says that little yeast will work all the way through. Now, I'm from San Francisco. I like sourdough a lot. I grew up with sour. Sourdough hamburgers are the best hamburgers, by the way. My opinion. But, you know, if you look at some of the great bakeries, they have that yeast, the starter yeast, that they still use today from hundreds of years back. It's pretty amazing how that whole story goes. But that's what Jesus is talking about. It's about the yeast that keeps on producing. It's going to go, it's going to go, it's going to go until it reaches the ends of the earth. But when you look at the kingdom, though, and when you look at the church particularly, there's a vision of what the church looks like, but there's a reality of what it is. Jesus has this great vision of what the church looks like, But the church, what's the problem with the church? It's filled with what? People. There's an old British philosopher that said this, and it is incredibly cynical. I was going to put it on, but I don't want us to remember it that much. But he said, you know, God, he promised us the kingdom. But instead, we get the church. That's cynical. That's pretty cynical. But it sums up some things, though, that are pretty true. 
We have this idealized form of what Jesus talked about the kingdom of God and the church is like. And yet when we deal with the reality of everyday life, it's hard. It's not easy. And it causes us to persevere. It pushes us to really love one another beyond what we can do ourselves. And it's a battle. And Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trample underfoot. Now, this is way before my time, you know, but maybe this is David Blinko's time. But in the 60s, in the 60s, there's a big popular bumper sticker. What did it say? It says, Jesus, yes, church, no. But the truth is, it's still true today, right? People are enamored by Jesus. And in the words of of um, of uh, the great Muhammad Gandhi, he said the same thing. He says, listen, he said, I love your Jesus when I read it, but when I see your people, I, uh, not for me, no thanks. No, that's exactly what he said, paraphrase. Exactly what he said, paraphrase. Almost. <laughs> All right? So... So it's still the same. It's for, for generations. I'm trying to get past this. For generations, right? For generations, it's, it's like that. We can give up on the church. Oh, we have another way. We can give up the church as so many people have done, have been hurt by the church. You think about the scandals that are going on today. We read our newspapers. Oh, we can really do our best to go back. And I know that the Bible teaches us to do that. We don't have time to read this, but Paul felt the same way. He says, after I know that I leave, savage wolves, he says, will come in. He says, immediately after I leave, wolves will come in and will try to destroy the church. And back to Matthew 11, it says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. Another version says, for the kingdom of God since the day of John the Baptist has suffered violence and violent men take it by force. There are two ways to interpret this passage here. One way is to say that, man, it takes a lot to get into the kingdom. The other way to interpret this is that the kingdom of God is opposed in a mighty way. When you came to church this morning, did you think about that? You know, that this church here is a revolutionary force. We've lost that, right? We think of church as this benign thing that Jesus even alluded to. He says, you know what? It's become so innocuous that people, you know what they do? They don't even think that it's relevant anymore. And they toss it out and people trample onto it as if it was worthless. There are two ways that we can go. Okay? Either we can get cynical, angry, mad, and throw the church away, or we can go, you know what? It's a battle, and it's a fight. It's a fight. To keep the purity of the church. To fight for the integrity and the soul of the church, even. But I tell you this, you know, the Holy Spirit, as we're going to read, it doesn't really depend on us in some ways. It says God cares more about His church than we do. Whether it's us or somebody else, the church will go on, and God will figure out new ways in history to get His church going. I'm just glad that we get to be a part of it. I'm just glad we get to be a part of it. Okay? 
In Acts chapter 1, after Jesus had passed away, he came back, he was crucified, he came back, and the Bible says this, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and he gave many convincing proof that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about what? The kingdom of God. Jesus died for his church. That was his vision. That was his hope. Against all hope, against all the different obstacles, he says, listen, we're going to do this. That's incredible faith, don't you think? I don't know about you, I feel good about that. I'm grateful to God for that. You know, as a ministry person, you know, as you guys are involved in ministry, what, what, what's the struggle? It's, it's, it's just a constant wrestling in our different hearts and different people and different situations to really fight for that ideal that God sets out. I got three points today. I got three points. And what is the church about? There are three aspects of the church that I see in the book of Acts that we're going to go through in the next few weeks. Number one, it is inside out. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. And number two, it is upside down. Okay? Number three, it is wide open. It is inside out. It is upside down and it is wide open. What does it mean to be inside out? Why is the church inside out? In Acts chapter 1, at the beginning of the church, the Bible says, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Despite all the years that Jesus spent with them and teaching them and pumping in his heart into them, and they still don't get it. I don't know about you, but that encourages me a lot. These guys were still looking for a physical kingdom that was going to overthrow the Roman Empire. After all that, they were still waiting for this kingdom to come. And before we knock our brothers and sisters in the first century... We're not that different from them. We're not that different from them. As physical, tangible people, we want physical, tangible things. We want something that we can see. We want a government that we can can manage. We want a building that we can meet in. We want physical things. We want organization that looks good. We want the worship experience to look good. And if we're not careful, we're going to substitute those things for what Jesus is talking about here. He says, none of your business. It is not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority. He said, whether God overthrows the Roman Empire 500 years from now or, you know, a thousand years from now, that's none of your business. Whether he's going to overthrow slavery or the institution of slavery, none of your business. He says, but you will receive power from the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses inside out, starting in Jerusalem. Get your act together. And then you're going to go to all Judea. Then you're going to hit the Samaritans, the half, half-breed half people. And then to the ends of the earth. It's inside out. What kind of products are we giving people? What kind of product are we selling people? 
if we are telling people to come and see, if we are telling people to come and experience this, what do we have for people to see? So the church began in Jerusalem. As God was building their faith, as the Holy Spirit was building their faith, building this community, and we're going to talk more about what that looks like. He says, listen, it's from the inside out. You know, when we're not excited about sharing our faith, when we're not excited about whatever, you know, to, to spread God's word, we got to ask ourselves what's going on on the inside. But when we are, it's a good thing, amen? I was taking a flight back from Atlanta, Georgia. And I'll forever remember this for the rest of my life. It was a Delta flight. And Georgia to L.A., we had to fly over the Grand Canyon. And uh, the captain got on the intercom and says, I'm going to try to get permission to fly through the Grand Canyon. This was like, a, I forgot what kind of plane it was. It was a big plane. It wasn't a small plane. And uh, and then like a few minutes later, he came back on the intercom. He says, good news. I got the permission to go below 10,000 feet or something. So he comes down into the Grand Canyon. It's a big plane. And he tilts the plane a little bit to the left so that people can see. He flies a little bit further. He tilts it to the right so the other side can see into the Grand Canyon. Good news, right? Exciting. I came back. What did I say? Something. Was it that funny? Can you tell me so I can write it down? So, so... When we're excited about something, I came home, I told Lena, I still remember that story 15 years later. When it's good news, when we're excited about something, something in human beings, we just can't contain it. It starts from the inside, right? So a few years later, as the church was progressing in the book of Acts, there was a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. People were giving money to the church to to spread it out, to give to other people. This couple decided to sell a piece of land. And uh, they gave a chunk of it, which was fine. They gave it to the apostles to parlay it out to other people. Whatever amount they gave was fine, but the problem was they lied about the amount. And we don't know exactly what happened, but we can guess that there was such a great feeling of sacrificing everything and giving everything we have that they misrepresented what they gave. And the Bible says that the husband was questioned by the apostle. He lied and he died. He lied and he died. They called the wife in, and this is what happens here. He says, he says at that moment... She fell down at his feet and died. The young man came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who had heard about these events. This scripture bugs me. It does. It's so, it seems so over the top. Right? That they lied about a little property transaction and they got zapped by God. I mean, it, it, it really is like daunting to me, right? My daughters who are millennials has a hard time with this passage, by the way. I think a lot of us do. 
But I think the keys at the at the end is this great fear sees the whole church. Ananias and Sapphira served as examples that this is not a game. We're not trying to look good outside in. We're not trying to present of something of who we are that we're not. It's from the inside out. Three weeks ago, uh, me and Lena were having an innocuous conversation, and she asked me something, and I lied. To her face. And my wife is incredibly perceptive. My wife's her she she's not she's like whatever she feels is right there. You know, Lena's got a very transparent personality. Right? Sometimes when I preach, she's like, ooh, Ken, that was really lousy. And I can see it in her face, like, ooh. Like, yeah, like, we've talked about it. So I lied. So yeah, she was like, hmm. She gave me 30 minutes. And that 30 minutes, I was like feeling horrible because I knew I had lied. I was like, oh man, it was like one of those cartoons. You ever seen the cartoons where you shrinks like, ooh, ooh, ooh. You're like, you're not even a, you're not even a man anymore. You're like a little cartoon. So 30 minutes later, Lena called me to the room. Says, can, can I talk to you for a second? Yes, ma'am. You know, <laughs> you know so I said, did you lie to me? At that moment, I still remember it. I said, yes, I did. It was embarrassing. It was something stupid. It was something embarrassing. I'm a 51 year old man. I shouldn't be doing that. You know, it wasn't like porn or anything like that. It was just, it was just a dumb thing that I was embarrassed about. And then she lectured me for like five minutes. And in my mind, I'm saying, woman, you are really pushing this. Yes, yes, ma'am. You know. <laughs> are we done? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like, embarrassing but I tell you what it freed me up it freed me up it freed me up freed me up it's a gift of God to take responsibility I tell you it's 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 I know it's Sunday morning it's like a good bowel movement it really is man. (laughs) it really is I mean it's like I uh you know I'm a I'm a history buff I love history I love history. I love history. Gandhi was known for two things. Gandhi cared about two things. If you read history, it's not just me. It's not just me. If you read history, Gandhi cared about two things. He cared about liberation from the British Empire, and he cared a lot about his bowel movements. He really did. If you look at history, Gandhi cared about two things. I don't want to be like this, all right? And it's not that God's going to zap me. If I can't take responsibility for little things, I won't be able to take responsibility for bigger things. It's got to be from the inside out, pardon the pun, inside out, sorry. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Number two is upside down. Let's move on. It is upside down. In the book of Acts, it says, On that day, a great persecution as the church was progressing. A great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except for the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house, 
he dragged both of them uh, off of both men and women and put them in prison. The movement had become so big that it was a threat to the people of his day. They turned the world upside down, and in the in the subsequent weeks, we're going to see how they did that. They changed society. They changed the economics of cities itself, and where people were so threatened by them and their lives. They had such an impact in the city and in the region that people began to persecute them. And the Bible says that the apostles stayed in Jerusalem while other disciples, right? This is the mark of a great church that is not leadership reliance. It is not leadership reliant so that when the leader dies, the movement dies. But you can kill the leaders and in fact, that's what happened. The movement continued because the people who were scattered preached the word wherever they went. They preached the word. They had a message to give. You know, people of the faith, we have a message to give. You know, when you see people out in the street and you go, man, I really want to help that person. We are the people that can help that person. We have something so valuable. We have something that can change people's lives. To give them a relationship with God. More than just good advice. Isn't that amazing? And the Bible says at the end there, it says, so there was great joy in that city. Isn't that cool? SMC students, there was great joy at SMC because of you. There's great joy in your work because of you. You're a disciple. God placed you there for a reason. They come to a place in the Valley of Baca and they make it what? A place of springs. They come to the desert land and they water it. They are. They give the words of life. Despite great persecution, no one said this is going to be easy. No one said that we're going to be free from our burdens even. But yet they they brought great joy to the city. Amen? We have that potential today. We have that potential today. And when, the Bible says, they could not find them, they dragged Jason, and they had such a great impact that the persecution continued. And some brothers before the city authorities shouting, these men have turned the world upside down. Turned the world upside down. You know, I know that in our culture today, we're really into a lot of these things, right? They're great things. Protecting our environment and, you know, recycling things and reusing things and clean energy and social revolution, equality between men and women. These are awesome things. But our brothers and sisters turned the world upside down. Amazing. Upside down. Last, as we close on out, is uh, wide open. Wide open. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Prigia, Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit. So I know we studied out the Holy Spirit, right? We're going to study out more about the Holy Spirit. What did the Holy Spirit do? It directed people. It directed the church. It was his church. 
having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia, when they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go, so they passed by Mycenae, and they went down to Troas. Troas is the, the, the Greek word for the city of Troy, the famous city of Troy, as we see their movement, the movement of the disciples. This is Paul's second missionary journey. And the Bible says, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to the Macedonia, come over to Macedonia, which is Europe. This was the first foray into Europe. Uh, Lydia became a Christian there and helped us and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God has called us to preach the gospel to them. It's wide open. We go, wow, that was exciting back then. It is exciting now. We live in an unprecedented era of communication. When I was growing up, I saw Star Trek and you know the transponder they had? Every one of us has one of those transponders. Every one of us. Elon Musk is selling tickets to outer space. For a mere $250,000, you can book your ticket to outer space. Things that, wow, Jules Verne's talked about. You know, we, we are living in that age. We can communicate with our brothers and sisters via Skype for free. With the internet connection that we have, it depends on your speed, you can be the smartest person in the class. <laughs> you can look up things that other people, when I was growing up, the Britannica Encyclopedia, man, that was, that was what I hoped for, the 24-volume set that my parents were too poor to get. You know, it's like, I just didn't have it. Now they're going out of business. <laughs> Britannica, what, what? It's like, no need, obsolete. We live in unprecedented time. They're thinking about building a, a train from L.A. to San Francisco. They'll get there in about, what, three and a half hours? Pretty amazing stuff. We live in a great era right now. It's wide open. Amen? Amen. Paul did all these things because of this, as we close on out to take our communion together. He says, for Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, that all who died, that he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. You know, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is one of those pithy little things that drives you. He who gives others, he himself will be refreshed. It is more blessed to give than to receive. These are secrets to life. And he says, they no longer live for themselves, but one who died and for them and was raised again. Amen? So I'm looking forward to our series together. I think we're going to get into specific things that the church went through and how it relates to us today. But uh, let's pray as we take communion and end out our service. Father, we communion with you. Uh, we communion with our brothers and sisters uh, in the first century. God, we want to really be faithful to your word and to carry the baton today. God, to be faithful in our generation, God. God, I know that the way that we do that is from the inside out. I got to really have Jesus in our hearts and to know really what he did for us. To, to really, really know that he died for us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.